Welcome back to Center Ice. We're happy to bring you another show previewing the first round of the playoffs. Kudos to the NHL for a great plan. Still no positive tests, and it really shows just how much they care about the players. And I think Matt is with me as always. I think you and I are optimistic that these playoffs are going to happen now, and we're going to get a Stanley Cup this year, which... Let's be honest, both of us were pretty doubtful about at the first... Uh... Yeah, yeah, both at the start. And I think we had our reasons to be doubtful, just like anyone did. But if any of you haven't had a chance to see how the NHL is working behind the scenes with these bubbles, it, it really is an amazing balancing act is what they're doing. And they're playing very very well and i think that of all the leagues even over the nba i think the nhl is the most likely to finish don't you yeah yeah i mean the nba is is doing a fairly good job as well i mean they could be doing better but so far so good for them um the mlb is is an absolute joke (laughs) we don't even (laughs) want to mention them um but yeah, let's let's get right into it. And you know, before we really start this show, I I really need to get something off my chest. Yeah, go right ahead, Mac. <laughs> and it's about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So so listen, okay, mm-hmm. I have been a follower and a fan of this team since I was a kid. I grew up watching players like Matt Sundin, Darcy Tucker. Curtis Joseph, Felix Potfan, you know, all of these type of players. And they were the team that I, you know, cherished the most. And I will admit, over the years, as years gone on and I've gotten older, I've had just less interest in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, I'm not nearly as much of a diehard as I used to be. But this series against Columbus was the last straw for me as a fan. And I just, you know, I decided I can't, I can't do this anymore. And there's a few reasons for that. Number one, this team consistently gets outworked by pretty much anyone they play, I would say 90% of the time. Number two, the talent level on this team is ridiculous and the results are poor, let's be honest. And I think the biggest thing of all is just, it's not just me. You know, there are people that love this team more than anything. Take Steve Dangle, for instance. That guy loves the Leafs probably more than anyone in the world. Can you imagine how crushing it is for every season, whenever he gets his expectations up, to see them be crushed by the Leafs failing in the postseason? I mean, it's just... And that's every other fan out there. Every fan yesterday that went out to patios or went to friends houses or social distanced at friends houses to watch this game and what do you get the team plays like garbage and they get eliminated in the fifth game by the columbus blue jackets it's just it i've had enough and i i think there's a lot of people out there that are right on the edge with you mac i've already seen on twitter and I know Twitter isn't always the best way to gauge what the fan bases are thinking, but I've seen a lot of calls for major changes in the Maple Leafs organization, and I think they're coming. I You can't stay the course 
with the current groups you've got and expect the same results. Different results. That's insanity. That's right. Yeah. Literal definition of insanity there. It's been three, four years now, and you still have yet to get past round one. And the Leafs haven't won a playoff round since 04. And that has got to be super, super frustrating for the organization as a whole, especially as a Sid Sixero. I think he brought up a good point on Twitter, Mac. He said, you know, it's got to be killing the Maple Leafs organization when just down the hall, you've got the Raptors that are winning 50 games a year and routinely making it to the third or even the finals, right? The, the Raptors are a fabulous example of what an organization does. Just just going to name some examples here of what, and I know basketball is a different sport, Mac, but you look at what the Raptors do, they made necessary changes. Like there certainly was some criticism at the time when the Raptors went and got Kawhi Leonard because a lot of people are saying you paid a lot for what was a rental. But you made the big move and it paid off. You have to make these big moves now and again. And I think Kyle Dubas is going to have to make one soon. Yeah, no, there's certainly a lot to talk about, but we're going to save that for a future episode. But like I said, I just wanted to get that off my chest. And some people have asked me, you know, who are you going to root for? Honestly, I don't really know. Um, part of me is, is more of a hockey fan than a fan of any team at this point. So we'll see. You know, that's a question for another day. But anyway, let's, let's yeah. get on to the meat of this episode, shall we? Yeah, so let's go through our picks here. We're going to start in the Eastern Conference this time. And after watching the play-in rounds and the round robins, it certainly will be easier for us to make a judgment call where when we were making our picks for the play-ins, Mac, what was really tough is that we just didn't know which team was going to show up. You know, there was a possibility of the Philadelphia Flyers, for example, who were red hot going into the shutdown, coming out and just playing flat. And mm-hmm. obviously that wasn't the case, but it's just a prime example of how hard it was to judge. But now that we've seen a sample size from all the teams, we can make these better calls. And speaking of the Flyers, let's start off with the Flyers and the Montreal Canadiens. Now, for the Habs here, Mac, you know, this is one of those situations where I don't think anyone predicted Montreal was going to be Pittsburgh. I knew You and I both know Pittsburgh wasn't what they once were a few seasons ago, but, ooh, did they come out horrible. And we'll talk on Pittsburgh in a future episode just like the Leafs. But for the Montreal Canadiens, Carey Price had a real resurgence there, and that's got to give you a lot of confidence going in against the Flyers because the Flyers are really, really good, but Carey Price has been excellent as well. And really, production from up and down the line has, lineup has been pretty good for the Habs overall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Carey Price, the layoff was the best possible thing for him because he was able to get healthy. He got a much-needed rest when, really, he was playing way too much. Remember, he's an older goalie, and remember, he's facing a lot of high-quality shots. There were some injuries there, for sure. But, you know, you get four months off. You get to rest. You get to be with your family. Kind of just, and not just a physical rest, a mental rest, more than anything. And he has looked 
outstanding. I mean, I've seen Carey Price at his best, and so have you. And man, this this reminded me of his younger days. I mean, he was just unbelievable in that series against Pittsburgh. And we have always said that if he can kind of get to that level where he's stealing games for Montreal, you can't count them out of any series. We just, I guess we didn't expect it. And and good on him, he delivered, and they beat Pittsburgh. It was pretty cool to see. Yeah, it was really cool to see. And if Montreal wants any chance whatsoever against Philly, he's going to have to continue to be good. Yeah. No, no way around it. I would expect he will, but the question is, will that be enough? Because Philly is a much better I gotta team than no. Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with no, Mac. I think the Philadelphia Flyers are a whole no- on a whole nother level than the Pittsburgh Penguins were. And just from what we've seen and how Philly's played in the round robin against some very good teams in the Capitals, the Lightning, and the Bruins. So I'm going to go with Philly in five here. I think Carey Price will stay relatively hot, and he'll probably be good enough to steal at least a win for Montreal. But I think with the scoring power of the Philadelphia Flyers and the way Carter Hart's been playing and just overall the Flyers have been playing, have no problem knocking off the Canadians here. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, besides the fact that Carey Price played well, I want to highlight a few particular players um, that I was really impressed with in that series. And I think Philip Deneau basically shutting down Sidney Crosby. This is a guy who never got a vote for the Selkie Trophy, even though he really should have been top three in, in, I think, many people's opinion. He was outstanding. You got a kid like Nick Suzuki, who Claude Julien was putting out there in crucial situations, and he did a fine defensive job as a kind of a guy who's known for his offense. He's a real exciting young player for them. And then, of course, you kind of have old reliable there and Paul Byron, and you have a young guy in Arturi Lekkanen. And I think here's an interesting thought, Matt. The Montreal Canadiens didn't get a lot from Max Domi in this series, okay? He actually played fourth line minutes, and we know he has a special case because of, um, I believe it's asthma he has, right? Uh, diabetes. Diabetes, sorry. Yes, so you have to understand that, you know, maybe uh, he wasn't quite at the level he anticipated he would be at, but I think... This proves to Mark Bergevin and the Montreal Canadiens that, like I said, you don't need to be head over heels to keep a guy like Drew and to keep a guy like Domi. Mm. How, how about Nick Suzuki? He, he played quite well in the play-ins as well. You and I are big fans of Nick Suzuki, Mac. And I, I'm telling you, Montreal fans are got to be real excited with what they've seen from him in the small sample size. Because when he hits his stride and he fully developed into a top two two center, he's going to be absolutely great. Incredible, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Montreal fans should be really excited about him. All right, let's move on to the Lightning and the Blue Jackets. A repeat of last year, but I'd say 
particularly for the Lightning, two different, two completely different teams than what we saw last time. Yeah, totally different. Um, but in terms of the way they play, not a whole lot different. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Both like to play a good shutdown game. They're, they have some high-scoring offense, and both have great goaltending. But, you know, I think the reason Tampa gets the edge this year, and I touched on it briefly a few minutes ago, Mac, is that the Tampa Bay Lightning overall are a more well-rounded team than they were last year. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, you went out and you got Blake Coleman, who's a really good two-way player. You got Barkley Goodrow from the Sharks, another good two-way player. Pat Maroon is, is a tougher guy who could win some fights and hit pretty hard. And you even got, you know, Zach Bogosian and Kevin Shattenkirk. You look at this team compared to last year. They just, they're, I feel they're just going to be more prepared for potentially a long playoff run. And listen, I don't believe they're going to win the Cup this year, but I think they're going to go farther than they did. And I do think they're taking this series. I have them winning in six. I think Columbus can steal a couple games because you know how frustrating it can be when Columbus is on their defensive game and you just <laughs> well, you, can't get you anything going, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I agree with you on that. Um It'll be fascinating to see if, you know, maybe Columbus pulls off the upset again. I mean, how, how devastating would that be for the Tampa Bay Lightning if they lose to Columbus again? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility here, Mac. Dubois had a really good series, as you know, Mac. Atkinson was, was on game. Really, all of the top six for the Blue Jackets were playing at the top of their game for the most part. And then, of course, you've got Corpusalo and Nett, who played quite well last night. So the Blue Jackets, I think, y- you can't count them out of anything, Mac. You and I both know no. that at this point, especially Correct. with how sports is as a coach. Yeah. I-, I think you and I, going into Game 5 last night, and rightly so, both of us were thinking the Blue Jackets just blew a devastating lead. And that's a hard thing to come back from. Yet, Torts... Give him a lot of credit there. He was able to refocus his team, get him to move on from that, and come out and play a real frustrating game for the Leafs. So I, I think that it's going to be a tight series. But I'm going to agree with you. I think it's going to be Tampa in six, but it's not going to be easy. No, absolutely. And, and they will they will be a little worn down for the next series after that. But um, I have faith in, in Tampa Bay, and I think – one of the most important things for them in this series is going to be maybe not trying to match the physicality of Columbus because that's a hard thing to do. But I think Mikhail Sergachev has really improved this year and just overall play. I mean, remember when he came into the league, he was a really just an offensive defenseman, right? He wasn't known for his two-way play. But I've really seen this this young kid take a step forward, and especially with the physicality. And it's not a bad thing to have that in addition to, you know, great offensive skills that could potentially quarterback a power play. We, we do have mm-hmm. to mention two things, though, Matt. We don't know if Victor Hedman or Steven Stamkos will mm-hmm. play to open this series. That is kind of to be determined. Mm-hmm. 
especially with Hedman, an ankle injury, you and I both know full well those can be very finicky. Even if they're a minor sprain or something, you can't be overly ready to get back into the swing of things with an ankle injury. So Hedman, even if it's a minor injury, he could be out for a couple games, and that could just give the Blue Jackets an edge, especially if Stamkos is out at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, now, again, like we mentioned, they do have the depth, and they still have McDonough and Sergachev and a very good decor. And they do have, you know, Coleman and Goodrow and Palad and Johnson and all these offensive guys. I haven't even mentioned Kucherov. And Braden Point is one of my favorite players just because of, A, how underrated he is, and B, just the amazing two-way game he plays and just how much of a engine he is. So I think, you know, if you look at the, the way the Leafs played in that series against Columbus, I mean... If you're Tampa Bay, you got to say, okay, listen, as much as we would like to make fancy offensive plays and cycle the puck around and get great shots, that might not be a feasible plan against this Columbus team unless you're on the power play, right? Yeah. So so I think you've got to really think about going to the front of the net, getting screenshots, you know, going to the dirty areas of the ice. I know it's cliche, but you need to make the Blue Jackets uncomfortable playing their game. And the Leafs, aside from really a couple games in that series, did not do that at all. They seemed petrified to go to the net. It really was quite something. But, you know, maybe Tampa Bay can do it. I think they can. I do. Yeah, I I think you're right. All right, let's move on to the next series here. This one, I think, is the toss-up one for you and I, Mac. The Washington Capitals versus the New York Islanders. And this is the one when we were talking about first round matchups last night. I think this was the only one you and I disagreed on. Am am I not right? No, I think that's correct. In a way. Mm -hmm. So my pick here is going to be the New York Islanders. And look, here's the thing. You, You might as well toss a coin on this one because... Both teams, very, very good teams. But I, I, I honestly got to say, Mac, I'm going with the Trots. I think Barry Trot is best coach in the league, and I could absolutely argue that if you ever want me to. No, that's, that's definitely uh, – I think that's a good argument to make. I think he's a hell of a coach. And, you know, I, I didn't get to watch too much of the Capitals in the round robin, but – from what I saw with the Islanders versus what I saw with the Capitals, I think the Islanders are just a little more explosive. And they're younger, too. That, to me, makes a big difference as well. And guys like Barzell, Eberle, J.G. Pajot had a very good first round. I think the what they lose in major star power, the Islanders, they make up for in just team depth and coaching. And the big... X factor for me, Mag, in this series, as it usually is in a lot of series, is goaltending. It's going to be Holtby versus Varlamov. And between those two, I have a bit more confidence in Varlamov to be consistent versus Braden Holtby. Holtby, to me this season, he hasn't proven to me quite enough to say that 
the Capitals have an edge on goaltending because he can, he's been mighty inconsistent this season. And I know Braden Holpe, we've talked about this before, in past playoffs, he can absolutely turn it on. And that could very well happen in this series. But as I'm seeing it right now, Mac, I just got to go with the Islanders. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And even though I'm going against your pick and picking Washington, I... I could see the Islanders winning this series for sure. I just, I think the thing that uh, worries me about the Islanders versus a team like Washington is Washington is going to play extremely physical. They're going to be hitting everything that moves, including, you know, Ovechkin and and Carlson and Backstrom. Tom Wilson is going to be a pain to deal with that whole series. Basically, one thing that, when Barry Trotz left, you know, they may not be as good a defensive team, and that's partially because of some moves they made and maybe not having him as a head coach, but they're still just as physical as they were. And um, I did catch a little bit of their play in the round robin, and they were playing very physical. So I do agree with you, though. I'm going to give New York the edge on, on goaltending. So I think you have to look at this, you know, let's break it down here. I think offense is probably about even now. And, you know, a year ago, I probably wouldn't have said that. But like you said, you know, there's some acquisitions there for the Islanders with J.G. Peugeot. Anthony Beauvillier has just really improved. He was really impressive in that series against Florida. You have Matt Barzell, Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, Jordan Eberle. You have offense there. So the I would say offense is a tie. There's really no edge there. Defensively, the Islanders are better. You know, I don't think that's that's a question at all, is it? No, I don't think it is. And goaltending, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I have a little more faith in Varlamov. But remember, you know, Braden Holpe's rested. And Braden Holpe has that Stanley Cup pedigree. You never know. Maybe he'll play really well. So the only question I have is, can the Capitals' defense play better? Because let's be honest, they were not good this season. You're right. And that's the big thing for the Capitals. And it's one of the other reasons why I'm giving the Islanders the edge is just the inconsistencies I've seen from the Capitals versus... And to be fair, the New York Islanders towards the end of the regular season were pretty inconsistent. Let's be honest. they were sliding yeah. and they were slipping yeah. fast. So just like Carey Price for Montreal, the layoff was the best thing that could have happened for the New York Islanders. They were able to come into these play-ins fresh, ready to go, and they took it to Florida and beat them pretty easily. So I think that the Islanders, just with the rest and the defensive depth, the goaltending, and as you mentioned, the offense is about a tie. I just have to give a slight edge to the Islanders, but I think both of us will admit this is one of those series where really it could go either way, and I think the Islanders will edge the Capitals in seven games. Right. Yeah, I've got... Uh, do I have Washington in seven here? Yeah, I have Washington in seven. So I think, you know, if you're if you're just a fan, kind of like I am at this point, I think the series that you can most look forward to are probably... Washington, New York, and St. Louis, Vancouver. Personally, for me, I think those are going to be the most fun to watch. 
yeah, those two are going to be a lot of fun. I'd also put in uh, Vegas versus Chicago, and we'll get on to that one in a little bit. But even if Vegas is expected to beat Chicago pretty easily, we saw what happened last time when Chicago went up against Edmonton. That was a lot of fun. And Chicago seems to have had a slight rejuvenation in some of their older talent. So mm-hmm. that could be a lot of fun. And we'll get onto that one in a little bit. But for now, we'll wrap up the East here. We've got the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, this is one where in if this was last year, Mac, you and I would very easily say Bruins are going to beat the the Carolina Hurricanes. But yeah, I, just from what I've seen from the Boston Bruins, Mac, ugh, they never led once in the round robin at all. They did not look good. Tukarask looked out of it. They're veterans. They looked old. They looked tired. Mm-hmm. They didn't look mm-hmm. like they were up to game speed. And, you know, things could change between now and the start of the playoffs tomorrow. But just from what I've seen from the Boston Bruins and from what I've seen from the Carolina Hurricanes, who, let's be honest, took out a pretty good New York team in pretty convincing fashion, I got to go with the Hur- Carolina Hurricanes here. Yeah, and, and I I can't believe I'm doing this either, but I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, the layoff has been terrible for Boston. Like you said, they, they don't look good at all. They look slow. They look old. Tuka Rask hasn't been great. I You know, Pasternak doesn't look like he's up to speed yet because obviously he's he's missed a bunch of time, practice time, etc. You know, how about the... The Andre Kasha trade. Talk about a trade that did not work out well for Boston. I mean, this guy has barely done anything for you, and you gave up a first-round pick to Anaheim, and you were expecting this guy to be kind of the second-best option on the trade market to Tyler Toffoli. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> it and did not and work. let's let's talk about Carolina. I mean, you got to give them credit. They played a hell of a series against. The New York Rangers and and what I noticed from Carolina is just how good they are at even strength. They are really good at even strength, especially defensively. I mean, they just do a great job of limiting quality scoring chances against their goalie. And you know, I was a little skeptical of can they do it with that goaltending tandem, but seeing how well they're playing defensively and really they're they're allowing guys like Reimer and Razik to have to make spectacular saves now and then, but not all the time. You know, they're not getting overworked. They're not allowing 40 shots a game or anything like that. So I think there's reason to believe that not only do you beat Boston, but you could potentially be a dark horse to give a team like a Philly or a Tampa Bay a real challenge here. I mean, there's nothing not to like about this Carolina team. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you know who really impressed me in round one was Sebastian Ajo. He had a a very, very good round play in round. And that top line, I believe they had 11 points in three games, something like that. It was absolutely ridiculous. They were lighting it up. No reason to see why they won't continue doing that. And let's not forget that all four lines were rolling. You know, Vincent Trocek had a pretty good series. Mm-hmm. It's all... You know, iffy but you know for the age he's at and what he's expected to do I think he did it fine Justin Williams you know he can always turn it on and 
And you and I have talked about the Hurricanes defense in the past. It's pretty darn good. So no reason why the Hurricanes can't be that dark horse team this year. I think there's a lot of people that might just overlook the Hurricanes a little bit. But you and I have learned from the past, Mac, that when the Hurricanes are in the playoffs, you should absolutely never overlook them. Yeah, totally. All right, so I'm going to make my pick here. I'm going to have the Hurricanes in six. And I got to admit, I'm, I was this close to putting them into Hurricanes in five. Mm-hmm. But I think that Tukarath might find his ground and steal a couple games for the Bruins. But the Hurricanes should have no problem taking out the Bruins based off the way they've played so far. I'm going to agree with that pick exactly. I've got Hurricanes in six. All right, so we will move on to the West here. Are we going to do this in a separate part, Mac? Uh, we can run through it now if you like. All right, then we will move on to the West here, and let's get on to that Chicago-Vegas series I was mentioning earlier. And this one, I think it's a pretty easy call here, just like the Flyers and Canadians. The Blackhawks pulled off the upset against the Edmonton Oilers. And as I mentioned earlier, Mac, the rejuvenation of Jonathan Taves has been an absolute blessing for the Chicago Blackhawks. And I think the Blackhawks, I don't think they'll pull off an upset here, but I I think they'll make it harder to harder on Vegas than Vegas is realizing right now. I think it's going to be, be uh, Vegas in six. Yeah, no, I think, I think the Blackhawks, have no reason to believe they can at least play with this team. Uh, we know they have the offense to compete with Vegas. Um, and you mentioned the older players have a good series. I mean, Corey Crawford looked really good. Um, you know, Vegas is, I think, a better team than Edmonton. I think pretty much anyone would say that. Um, having said that, we were questioning if Corey Crawford was even going to be healthy enough to start the playoffs. And, you know, like, like a lot of the older players, there's a lot of rest there for him. And he's done this before. He knows exactly how it works. He's won Stanley Cups. So if he can play really well here, you know, this could turn into maybe a five, six, seven game series. But even with that, I just, I think Vegas is just too good. And there is the laner factor of the team that, you know, traded him away. And now he's trying to win a Stanley Cup. I don't know how much he's going to play. We'll have to see. That's a fascinating decision for for Vegas. We'll get into that in a second. But you mentioned Jonathan Taze. I mean, I was so impressed with him. I mean, and I love Jonathan Taze. always have. But... The way he elevated his game in that series against Edmonton was so impressive. You know, not only offensively, he was all over it. Defensively, he was excellent as usual. He was winning faceoffs, killing penalties, all of that. And, you know, seven points in four games. Patrick Kane was pretty quiet. Four points. Yeah, so you're right. Jonathan Tays really did an excellent job in that Edmonton series. And, and the other guy I want to mention, even though he didn't really have a great series overall, he did have a five-point night in his playoff debut, and that's Dominic Kubalik. He did have one point the rest of the series, but he's shown to be a dangerous scorer, and you do have a guy like Dylan Strom, who I think was a little better 
Alex DeBrincat did not really do a whole lot for me, and Kirby Doc I thought looked pretty good in the series. I agree. I really liked what I saw from Kirby Doc. Eight. Chicago's got to be very happy to have him. He's going to be a great player in the league. I think sooner than a lot of people would expect. And I think even just being able to play a bit of playoff experience now is really going to help his development. It's going to speed it along. And in the next season or two, I think you could really see him burst onto the scene in the Central. Yeah, no, he's, I agree. He's been impressive. I mean, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but, you know, he's a, he was a rookie and he was just noticeable, I thought. You know, he was forechecking. He was doing all the right things. You know, maybe not putting a whole lot of points on the board, but coaches love players who just do all the little things really well. And to me, that's Kirby Doc. Yeah, I agree. And, then, and we know he's got the skill because remember that goal he scored earlier in the season where he showed <laughs> all that skill? I mean, that was, that was pretty unbelievable. Well, that was fabulous. Uh, and then on the Vegas side of things, Mac, you know, let's not take away anything from Vegas here because they're looking quite good as well. They, I wouldn't say convincingly won the round robin, but they looked pretty good doing it. And, of course, guys like Mark Stone are just going to keep lighting it up. And mm-hmm. I think that, especially with having Laner, I have a lot more confidence in the Vegas Golden Knights than I did when they made the playoffs last year, don't you? Yeah, and um, there's a couple guys that, you know, everybody knows about really the usual suspects on Vegas. You've got your Mark Stones, Paul Stastny, William Carlson, Jonathan Marchessault. But to me, there's a couple of guys that are really going to make a difference for them. And obviously, you mentioned the goaltending with Robin Leonard. But Alex Tuck, I mean... Alex Tuck is a really talented player that just hasn't been able to stay healthy in his career, really. And when he's healthy, he's really good. Like, three goals in three games in the round robin, and he's got a great shot, a great release. He's a big power forward who can play the physical game as well. And, you know, I got to tell you, there might not be a player I'm more impressed with right now than Shea Theodore. I mean, this guy is just an outstanding defenseman. And it's hard to believe that Anaheim just kind of gave up on him and just sent him to Vegas. But they are absolutely thrilled with him. And I think he's a cornerstone for a long time. Yeah, you're right. And don't forget, the Vegas Golden Knights are also going to get a pretty big boost with having Max Pacioretty return to the lineup fairly soon. And that's going to help complete one of their top lines there. So having one of their top scorers and Max Patch already come back, I think already adds to a pretty good lineup. So I think Vegas will win this series. It's not going to be as easy as a lot of people think, but I, I don't see any reason why Vegas couldn't go on a long playoff run here. They look much better than they did last year. I think they've kind of got that 2017-2018 confidence back in them, which is going to help them a lot. I think losing to the Sharks in the way they did last year was a real growing experience for for the Golden Knights as a whole. And that they're going to use that experience from last year and they're going to be able to close out games better this year. They're going to be able to play in these close games. They've got the scoring talent to score when they need to score. And they've got great goaltending and defense to back it up too. So 
Golden Knights in six here, Mac. That's my pick as well. And and before we wrap on that series, I think they have a better coach. I think Pete DeBoer is a really well-balanced head coach who just kind of lucked out with this job when he was fired from San Jose. And he took over this really good Vegas team that he has really turned into a excellent two-way team since he started with them. Mm-hmm. All right. The next series, uh, I think this one's going to be a pretty cut and dry dry one here, Matt, the Colorado Avalanche and the Arizona Coyotes. Now, you and I, I think we got to give ourselves credit. We both called that Arizona would beat Nashville, but let's be honest, the only reason Arizona (laughs) is in the position they're in is because of Darcy Kemper. Yeah, yeah. And I would say he's the biggest reason. I mean, he was just unbelievable. I, you know, I have here written it's kind of a funny thing I wrote. Congratulations to Arizona. You beat a Nashville team with poor goaltending and one that continues on a downward tra- trajectory. Now you get to face <laughs> the avalanche. Good luck because you're going to need it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think both of us know how this is going to end up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this just isn't a fair fight. Like, it's just no. not. It's like, what kind of analogy? This The only analogy I can draw is like, if you've got a team in the NFL that's number one in the league and they're just this highly explosive offensive team that's got a pretty good defense and all these good players and they're somehow playing a, you know, an eighth seed team that's basically defense first and they, they don't really have a whole lot of difference makers on their team. That's what it's like. I mean, it's, you have a perennial Stanley Cup contender against a team that just won their first playoff round in a while. Oh yeah, this is going to be pretty quick. I I, I honestly have uh, the Colorado Avalanche sweeping the Arizona Coyotes. This is the only series I have where there's a sweep. And yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And Unless Arizona can get reclaimed the classic Phil the Thrill Kessel, I don't see any way that Arizona wins even a game in this series. Yeah, because even if they try and hold the games to one nothing or 2-1, it's just it's so hard to do against a team like Colorado that they just don't stop. They, don't, they never give up. They've got all kinds of scoring depth. And, uh, you know, actually in, in the... Round Robin, Nathan McKinnon didn't lead them in points. Nazem Kadri did. And then if you look at the rest of the contributions, you have guys like Burakovsky, Rantanen, Donskoy, and of course McKinnon. But also I think defensively they were they were pretty good. I think they would tell you that they probably should have had that game against Vegas. That was I kinda wish I was able to watch that game. I was actually at work, but um, I think that's probably going to be your Western Conference final, and I think you and I probably feel like the Cup is coming out of the West this year. Yeah, I think the West is definitely stronger than the East this year. I think a team like the Flyers or the Lightning could, or even the Islanders could give a Western opponent a real run for their money, but just from the teams we've seen coming out of the West this year, it I think the Cup State goes to the West. Anyways, our next series here, Mac, is 
Dallas versus Calgary. And considering Dallas is a three seed, you'd think I'd say Dallas has the edge here. But just from what I've seen from Dallas in the plans, their scoring has just dried up completely. It's a drought is what it is. And I think Calgary, you and I have been talking about it for quite a while, Mac. We've been saying when the Flames make the playoffs, are guys like Kachuk, Goudreau, Monaghan finally going to show up? And when they were playing in the play-ins versus Winnipeg, albeit a Winnipeg team without Shifley and Line A, they showed up. And I think that there's no reason why that won't continue. I think Calgary is the better team overall. Cam Talbot's been playing absolutely incredible right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny because in game one, Mac, I, I made a comment to you saying, I'm surprised they aren't giving Riddich a go. And I can see why they stuck with Talbot. No reason why they're going to switch him out now. He's on a roll. And I think Calgary should beat Dallas fairly easily here. Yeah, and you mentioned the the dried-up offense. The Stars have just been on this skid of just, A, not really winning a whole lot of games. I think in total, like they did win that last game of the the round robin in a shootout, I think. Mm. But I think overall, I, I heard they had lost nine out of their last ten games, including the regular season and they the did. round robin. So that is not that is not where you want to be. You want to carry like positive momentum going into the playoffs. And and you and I like the stars, and we like kind of the system they play. But the problem is like when you play that system and you don't get a whole lot of goals, you're running into a situation where you're basically the Arizona Coyotes 2.0 and that you have that offensive talent, but it's just not doing a whole lot for you other than I would say really Tyler Sagan. I mean, Tyler Sagan is the only player on this team with more than 50 points this year. Like the drop off after Sagan is is ridiculous. Jamie Benn thirty nine points, Heiskin at thirty five, Radulov thirty four, Hints thirty three, Joe Pavelski, who you brought in to shore up your scoring depth, only had thirty one points this year. Like that's a real problem. Exactly, it's a real problem, and it's not one that's going to be fixed before the playoffs start. So. To me, I think Dallas is lucky if they win a game, to be honest. I think it's going to be Calgary in five. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to take, to take Calgary in four. You know, what, what the hell? Calgary in four. All right, you heard it here first, Max, thinking Calgary is going to sweep Dallas. And honestly, there's no reason why they couldn't. Yeah, I think the goaltending could squeeze out a game for the Dallas Stars, but. How much confidence do I really have in Kudobin to steal a game for the Stars here? I know he's a pretty good goalie, Mac, but just with everything that's been going on in front of him, I don't see it happening. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the goalies will do their best to hold them in the series, but you look at how well Calgary played and really pleasantly surprised a lot of people in that opening uh, qualifier round. I mean, you, you just, I think if you're a Flames fan, you're feeling really good because this year the playoffs are absolutely wide open. I mean, everybody has their picks on who's going to win. And, you know, the heavy favorites are like, you know, Tampa Bay, Philly, Vegas, Colorado, those kind of teams. But to tell you the truth, no one really knows what's going to happen. And if you look at the way Calgary played 
in that qualifier round. This is a team that if they continue to play that way and they score enough and defend well enough, they're very dangerous. Absolutely. Calgary is... I I wouldn't quite say they're the Carolina Hurricanes of the West because Carolina is better than Calgary. But I think they're a dark horse team in the West. Yeah. No, that's, All that's right. totally fair. One more series here, Mac, and this is one both you and I are very excited about. I think this could be another coin flip series in some regards, Mac. We've got the St. Louis Blues versus the Vancouver Canucks. And to me, the big X factor here is Jacob Markstrom. If he plays out of his mind like you and I know he can, Mac, there's no reason why Vancouver can't beat the defending Stanley Cup. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely possible. Um I mean, I've still got the Blues winning this one, Mac. Yeah. I think that Vancouver will give the Blues a run for their money. But the Blues are basically back at full strength. That's a big boost, in my opinion. You've got Tarasenko back, Shen, Schwartz. Everything's looking pretty good. And, yeah, you finished bottom of the, of the round-robin play-ins. But... To me, it's not like the Boston Bruins. The St. Louis Blues weren't playing as good as they were going into the shutdown, but they were still playing pretty well, and they were competitive in every game they played in. So the Blues, to me, should be able to beat Vancouver, albeit it's not going to be a very easy win because Vancouver has been playing pretty well as of late. Yeah, I think the biggest change from from facing a team like Minnesota to facing St. Louis is you know, St. Louis. Obviously, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. They have much more offense in their lineup, but also facing such a high quality goaltender and a guy like Bennington who can literally steal games. When you faced Alex Stalock, who I would say played pretty well for a goalie who's kind of about average at the NHL level. When you go from facing Stalock to Bennington and really a much better St. Louis team, that's a that's going to be an adjustment for the Vancouver Canucks. And I would like to say that they're going to uh, push this series a little farther, but I still expect St. Louis to win. I think I think I've got St. Louis in six because I just think they're they're too strong, and I, I do think Vancouver maybe not this year, but I would say next year and the year after. Really dangerous team in the West. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I could see Vancouver with Markstrom playing out of his mind, stealing another game for the Vancouver Canucks. And unless Vancouver can shut down the Blues offense, and I don't have that much confidence in Vancouver's defense to do it, they're still a bit too young in my opinion, and they're a bit too inconsistent for my liking. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to agree with you on this one. I've got St. Louis in six. Yeah, yeah, I think that will be a really entertaining series, like I said. And, and even if Vancouver loses, I think fans will walk away of the Canucks and they'll say, hey, listen, we gave it everything we had and, you know, we just played the Stanley Cup champs and, and we gave them a hell of a series even though they won kind of thing. Mm. And, and All right, who knows, Matt. you know, maybe there's an upset there. I think there is a scenario where Vancouver could take this series. I mean... We'll have to see what happens, but uh, yeah, 
you know, I think you and I are just really excited that the, the first round is happening and the NHL playoffs are happening as planned. And the NHL just has done such a great job and valuing these players' safety and all the details of this bubble are, are really awesome. And kudos to them for that. Yeah, absolutely. Before we wrap it up, Matt, quickly, uh, do you have a Stanley Cup final pick? I, you don't need to make a Stanley Cup champion pick, but which which team do you see coming from the East and which team do you see coming from the West? I've got Vegas versus Philly in the Cup. Mm, I've got Carolina versus Colorado. Ooh, and I like because, that. Because you know what? I, I I think this could be this is the year of upsets, Mac. I think Colorado very good. I think Carolina, Philly, that's who I've got in the conference final in my bracket. And of course, we'll tweet our out ours on our Twitter a little later today. Mm-hmm. But I've got Carolina, Philly, and if that happens, that will be an absolutely incredible conference final. Both teams very good. Carolina. I think could just beat the Philadelphia Flyers. Of course, we'll see what happens. And then I've got, just like you, I'm sure, I've got Vegas and Colorado in my conference finals. Mm. And boy, wouldn't that be a treat. Oh, that is going to be, that'll basically be the Stanley Cup. I mean, it won't be, but it will be. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, there are years like that where we know the team that comes out of this conference final is winning the Stanley Cup. Reminds me of, you know, 2017, which still hurts me inside. <laughs> that <laughs> Eastern Conference final, whichever team was winning that was going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think the NHL is doing a fabulous job. They're going to keep it up. And, of course, as things move along, Mac and I will keep bringing out more content for you. We try to do a new show after every round, it's been a bit of a tradition of ours since we've launched the show and we plan to keep it that way. And both of us really hope you enjoy the games. And I'll leave Mac to sign it out here. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Center Ice is available on every podcast platform. Just look for the blue, white, and red logo. And we are affiliated with the National Podcast Network. You can find us and many other great hockey podcasts right there. Thank you for listening. Take care. Enjoy the games.